Hanging by a Thread by Richard Blair. Seven people had just plunged to their deaths and 13 others huddled fearfully in crippled cable cars suspended high above Singapore's harbour. Any moment they could be torn loose from their frail hold on survival. As the afternoon drew towards a close on the resort island of Sentosa, hundreds of visitors began making their way to the cable car station for the 1.75-kilometre trip back to Singapore. It was Saturday, January 29, 1983, and grey clouds were rolling in. Everyone hoped to beat the rain. At 5.50pm, seven members of an Indian family boarded a bright red gondola and were lifted up over the South China Sea. From 54 metres above the jade-coloured waters of Singapore Harbour, the view from the bubble-shaped car was breathtaking. Inside, Manmohan Kaur, 25, her mother-in-law Pritam Kaur, 60, a sister-in-law Habarjan Kaur, 43, and a brother-in-law Mahinda Singh, 44, looked across the harbour and chatted. Manmohan held Habarjan's eight-year-old son Jagjit, Manmohan's own sons Tasvinda, 22 months old, and Balvinda, four years old, watched the tugboats below. Suddenly, their car began swinging wildly. Manmohan froze as she saw a blue car up ahead oscillate violently and plunge into the churning waters below. Farther ahead, a red car lurched off the main cable and tumbled into the bay, spilling passengers through an open door. Manmohan's car somersaulted completely round the main cable. The door popped open. In a lightning move, Mahinda, who was holding Tasvinda, threw the boy away from the door, but he lost his own balance and pitched headfirst through the opening. Springing up, Pritam grabbed her grandson. She slipped and plunged out the door with Tasvinda. Manmohan fainted from fear and shock. In a few moments of horror, seven people had been thrown to their deaths. Miraculously, Tasvinda would survive. The remaining 13 cable cars had stopped moving. Inside four of them, 13 people were dangling helplessly above the darkening sea, paralysed with fear. On the 14th floor observation deck of the Harborside Building, Colonel Lee Sien Lung, Chief of Staff of Singapore's Air Force Rescue Squadron, who was in charge of the rescue operation, viewed the accident scene and listened to a briefing on the disaster from officials of the Port of Singapore Authority, PCA. An oil drilling ship being towed out to sea had broken loose from its tugboats and its drilling rig, 68 metres tall, had hit the main cable car line. One car had been wrenched free from its 42 millimetres in diameter. There was no telling how long it would hold. Winds and rain were blowing up to eight knots. Anything we try will be risky, one of Lee's aides warned. Lee called in a shipborne crane, hoping to lower the cable car passengers to safety in a basket. But when it arrived, it proved to be too short. So Lee summoned two helicopter rescue teams. Lightning crackled and a cold wind howled through the empty window frame of the car holding an American, Dorothy Jean Gilliland, and a Canadian couple, John Wiesman, 43, and his wife, Catherine, 36. In pain from a broken collarbone, Wiesman sprawled on the metal floor. Catherine Wiesman, her clothes bloodstained from cuts on her face, wept helplessly. Dorothy Jean Gilliland fought back the pain from a badly bruised arm 
and tried to calm her companions. But their situation seemed less precarious than in the nearby car, which was held aloft only by the tow cable that carried Man Mohan Kaur and the surviving members of her family. Two young New Zealand soldiers, Alan Brown of Oamaru and Stephen Ells of Nelson, were in a car suspended over land some 150 metres from the Singapore terminal. In a fourth car were four young Singaporean residents, Leong Siu Keng, Halija Binti Manaf, Lo Hok Seng and Hamad Bin Jom. Their gondola had just left the Sentosa station and hung suspended over the island's verdant woodland. They attempted a few Malay songs to keep up their spirits, but they couldn't remember the words and their singing dissolved into sobbing. In Manmohan Kaur's car, the two women cried, prayed and pleaded for help until their throats were hoarse. Harbhajan was suffering from broken bones in her hand and a severely wrenched back. Only four-year-old Balvinda remained calm. Consoling his mother and cousin, he reminded them of temple teachings about the love of God and the need to have faith in that love. Don't worry, the boy said at one point. God will help us, you'll see. It was soon after midnight. The rain had slackened, but the wind had picked up 12 knots. Officials in the tower were worried that the downdraft of the rescue helicopters, combined with the wind, might blow the cars into the sea. The drilling rig was still caught in the cable. Mooring lines were made fast between the mothership and the wharf, and tugs were helping to keep the rig from drifting down the harbour and carrying the entire cable system with it. The sound of screeching metal borne on the wind emphasised the precarious situation of the 13 trapped people. Rescue 1-0, piloted by Singapore Air Force Lieutenant Kao Yit Chi, made a trial run on an empty car, then moved down the line to the first stranded car, holding the New Zealanders. Swinging in the wide, pendulum-like swoops on the end of a winch cable, 15 metres below the helicopter, was Kao's winchman, Lance Corporal Fua Kim Hai. Fua was taking a fearsome risk. If he became entangled in the tramway cables, Lieutenant Cal would have to order the severing of the winch cables, sending Fua to almost certain death in the dark waters of the harbour. The alternative would be to risk losing the helicopter and its four-man crew. It took more than 15 minutes of manoeuvring to edge Fua to the side of the New Zealander's car. He opened the door and hoisted himself inside. Alan Brown emerged first, strapped into a rescue harness. Pulled into the chopper 30 seconds later, Brown hugged the floor and muttered with relief, Thank you, Singapore. Both New Zealanders were transferred to hospital. Cow's crew moved to the car nearest to Sentosa and lifted the four terrified Singaporeans to safety. The two easy rescues had been accomplished. The challenge now was to save the seven people in the two remaining cars, one of which was held aloft only by the tow line. The piloting part of this job fell to Lieutenant Jeff Ledger of the Royal Australian Navy, who was in Singapore helping its armed forces to train helicopter pilots. Ledger lifted Rescue 1-1 into darkness and manoeuvred towards the car in which the Canadian couple and the American lay injured. Sighting on the cable and its concrete support tower, Ledger started turning the helicopter so that his winchman, Lance Corporal Selva Nathan, could approach the car from the side. Suddenly, as the aircraft yawed in the wind, Ledger lost sight of his hover reference. He backed off, realising that he would have to depend on directions from his winch operator, 
Staff Sergeant Hotsu King, the only crew member who could see both the winchman and the car. Ledger cut off radio contact with the ground in order to concentrate on intercom instruction from Ho. Jeff, you gotta move left. More steady. In spite of his 11 years' experience as a pilot, Ledger found it impossible to keep his machine from lurching in the wind gusts. A violent billow of wind slammed against the aircraft. Pull back, the winch operator shouted. A flash caught the corner of Ledger's eye as sparks shot up from below. Selva Nathan's winch wire had touched the support cable. We overshot, shouted Ho. Ledger checked his watch. He'd been manoeuvring for only 15 minutes, but it seemed like hours. His hands and wrists ached. He pointed the helicopter's nose towards the stranded car. A bit more right. That's it now. Steady. He's got hold now. He's in. The Wiesmans and Dorothy Jean Gilliland were transferred safely to land. Now Ledger faced his toughest task. Observers in the PSA tower and on the drilling rig had reported that the four occupants of the last car seemed, understandably, to be in a state of panic. If they moved suddenly, rushing the winchman, for example, the thin cable supporting the car could be dislodged. Ledger jerked his head back and forth, fighting the stiffness in his neck muscles. This time, he would have only the fine tow wire as reference to help him hold his chopper steady. Harbajan Kaur lay semi-conscious on the floor. Manmohan sat on a bench, Balvinda tied to her with a scarf. I will go mad with this terror, she thought. When the helicopter approached, the car shuddered in the downdraft. Manmohan was certain the end was near. She bowed her head in prayer. When she lifted it again, Lance Corporal Selva Nathan was swinging into the doorway. I've come to take you home, he said. Little Balvinda seemed most composed, and the winchman put the harness round him first. Don't drop me, Balvinda said. You be careful now. Don't worry, Selva Nathan told the boy. We're going for a helicopter ride. When he returned for Jagjit, however, the little boy, without his cousin to give him courage, cowered in a corner. Selva Nathan spoke gently. Your cousin is waiting for you. Come on, it'll be all right. Slowly, Selva Nathan slipped the rescue harness over the boy's head and arms as both he and Manmohan petted him. Then Selva Nathan took the boy in his arms and with Jagjit sobbing away on his shoulder, he stepped back through the opening and ascended to the chopper. Manmohan was lifted out next. But when Selva Nathan re-entered the car and attempted to strap Habajan into the rescue harness, each movement brought screams of pain. Desperately, Selva Nathan struggled with the harness, knowing that Ledger could not hold his hover for more than a few minutes. Finally, the harness in place, the exhausted winchman struggled to his feet and eased the woman's limp body through the door. After falling 56 metres into Singapore Harbour, 22-month-old Tasvinder Singh had been plucked from the tidal currents by an alert bystander, Abdul Latip who jumped aboard a moving ferry and dived into the water for the rescue. Tasvinder was rushed to hospital, suffering from shock, a fractured skull and bleeding lungs. At first, his blood pressure and pulse were so weak that doctors had difficulty recording them. But after ten days, recovered from his injuries, he was reunited with his family. All the crew members received letters of commendation from Winston Chu, Singapore's Chief of General Staff, 
congratulating them for courageously bearing the perils of injury of death on a night when 13 lives were hanging by a thread. Jeff Ledger became the first foreign national to receive such an award since the formation of the Republic of Singapore. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia. Narration by Zoe Mernier. Sound production by Ricky Price.